Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. There are decisive people and there's indecisive people. God's given you and me a free will, and we want to go His direction. We want to make the right choices because when we go His direction and we choose to please Him, see, that's our I love you's to the Lord. That's how we say I love you. That's where we show our love for Christ. And so today, we want to look at this from God's Word. How do we discern God's voice? How do we discern the direction the Lord wants us to go? Because that's a very practical issue you're going to have to deal with. You know, you, 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 want to, you want to go God's direction. You may want to go a new direction with your life. Get off this path and get on another path. And so you ask yourself, how do I hear God's voice? How do I know the direction that God wants me to go? And we have to know this up front. We have to know um, that, that, that God is very personal. We have to know He wants to point the way. He wants to direct us. He wants to reveal His will. He knows right where you are. And He will reveal His direction and His perfect will. And I thought about Abraham, who was a giant of faith. God said, I'm, I'm, going, to give you, I'm going to give you an heir, and from that heir will come the people of the Jews including the Messiah. Well, he didn't say it like that. He, he just said, I, 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 I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. He said that in Genesis 12, 3. And the great nation obviously would be the Jews, and that would include the Messiah. But to this point, and he was late in his life, Abram had no kids. He had no heir. He didn't want to wait. I mean, he didn't think God could give babies to people as old as him. And so he and his wife, Sarah, take it away from God. And I do that, you do that. Tell me you don't do that, man. We take it away from God. And they decide, since um, God's kind of taken his good old time and given us an heir, Sarah says, my servant girl is very fertile. And uh, if we have a baby by her, we can call that baby our heir because in that culture, you see, slaves and servants own nothing. I mean, they could have babies, and then the babies belong to the master or to the mistress. They own nothing. And so Sarah and Abraham kind of said, we're not waiting for God. So Hagar, the servant girl, gets pregnant by Abraham. And now she's walking around, you know, after a few months, she's showing a little bit. And Sarah's looking at Hagar, and she says, my husband did that to you. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to look at this. And she's kind of boiling inside. She says, I can't stand this. Get out of my house. And so Hagar runs out into the wilderness. So there's Hagar in the middle of nowhere. She has no idea where she is and who should appear. Let me show you who appears. This is in Genesis chapter 16. I mean, this, 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 this girl Hagar is out there in the middle of nowhere running from her mistress. And in Genesis 16 verse 7, listen to this. The angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. And it was the spring that's beside the road to Shur, S-H-U-R. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? Okay, she had no direction, see? She said, I'm running away from my mistress Sarah, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord told her, 
Now listen, the angel of the Lord is what we call a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, because he told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And then the angel of the Lord added, and I, see you know it's the Son of God, because he said, I will increase your descendants, and they will be too numerous to count. And so the big deal here is he knew right where she was, right out there in the middle of nowhere. And he gave her a direction. He pointed the way back and said, you go back, go back to your mistress, Sarah, and I'll increase your child's descendants. So God pointed the way. I mean, the two things you got to know there, she was out there. God knew right where she was, and he showed her the way, the way he wanted her to go. So you want God's direction. So let's look at how God speaks to us. That is really, that is really on our hearts and minds this year. I mean, how does God speak to you? How does God direct you? How do you hear the voice of God? And here's the big deal. I mean, the first thing first, you have to want it. You have to desire it. And I, listen, I, I pray about a lot of things, but I get, I get so serious and so intense and so passionate about wanting to go God's direction. Listen, in my own personal life, in the life of this church, in my family life, if God's not out front, I got to tell you, man, I don't want to go. So I get very passionate about that in my presence. Man, you got you to want. You got to want to hear God's voice, folks. You got to want to go his direction. So how does God reveal himself? How do you hear his voice? Obviously, in the word of God, that's number one, the Bible. I mean, if we would take seriously that this Bible is what we say it is, the word of God. I mean, this is God speaking to us. Consider it as such. Think about it as such. We would devote ourselves to this book more. I mean, we, we would devote ourselves to it we would discipline ourselves to look at it more and more. I just have to look at the Bible's commentary on itself, 2 Timothy 3.16. If you have a new King James or a King James, this is all scripture is given by inspiration of God, but I like the NIV because this is an exact translation of the, um, of the Greek. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful or profitable, the King James says, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I mean, all Scripture is God-breathed. God the Holy Spirit breathed into the man the very words they wrote in this book. 1 Timothy 2, 3, 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul says to Timothy, From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. So what's the number one purpose of Scripture? To direct you, folks. To direct you. To direct you to the only way for salvation. That's to Jesus Christ. The only way to heaven. The greatest revival, maybe you know this happened in the late 1790s, early 1800s. It was called the Welch Revival. It began in Wales and Ireland and Scotland and came across the ocean to here. All because somebody who lived in Wales and Ireland decided that these people are so corrupt that, 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 they needed, that they needed cleansing, they needed to change. And so what they did was this, they just brought Bibles in in mass. They flooded Wales and Ireland and Scotland with Bibles. And people began to change. And maybe you heard this, that the, the, the mules and the horses that pulled the plows and the buggies, they wouldn't go anymore because now the farmers were using clean language. You know, they'd say, getty up horse, getty up mule. And all the mule understood was foul language and they wouldn't go. But see, the word of God changes us, man. It directs us to his perfect will. Listen to this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful or profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. I mean, you want to know the way God, you want to know God's direction, man. You got to get yourself in the book, man. I mean, and it's a discipline to read and meditate on the Word of God. It's a discipline. It's difficult at first. I had to discipline myself. Now, I want to tell you something. Now, I'd rather read the Bible, read books about the Bible, than do almost anything in life. I'm not kidding you. And it gets so good, you know, when you read a part of Scripture, and it makes sense. Before, it didn't make sense. I mean, can I, does anybody know what I'm saying? I mean, you read a part of Scripture, it didn't make sense. And now you're reading this whole thing, and voila, all of a sudden it makes sense. That is a defining moment, man. That is so great. And you're reading the Bible, you're reading this book, and you're reading one part, and all of a sudden you're thinking about another part, and all of a sudden you're interrelating Scripture. I mean, it gets so good. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, but you got to experience it. Now, folks, if you want something good, what do you got to do? You've got to discipline yourself. You've got to get your nose into it. Don't you see what I mean? You've got to, this is, this is the best resolution you can make. This is the best discipline you can have. Anything good in your life, anything so good is work. Anything so good begins with a discipline. You start, you do it. And the more you read and study, the more you begin to think like God himself. And that's where I get God's direction, man. I've said this so many times. I don't always know chapter and verse, but God builds principles in my heart, man. And I just, you know, you just, you're facing a situation in life and you know that you know that you know because you're in the word of God, see? And the more you think like God, see? I mean, you want direction and you read about Jesus on a cross and the people who nailed him to that cross, what are they doing? They're throwing dice underneath the cross. There's people who mastermind this whole deal, scribes, chief priests, Pharisees. They're, you know, they're, they're standing underneath the cross and they're poking fun at him. Ha ha. See what happened to you? Come down off that cross, son of God, and all that stuff, you know? And what did Jesus say? Zap, get him, Father. What does he say? His Father, forgive him, for they know not what they do. Now, how can you read that Bible? How can you read that in the Bible and not forgive the people in your life who are giving you grief? You not want to relate to those people, see? So what I'm saying is the more you read and digest this book, the more you think like God. The more you hear it, the more you think like God, see? You receive God's mind, God's heart, and God's direction. And you always got to remember this, folks. Listen to me. When you read the book, when you read the words of God, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, God himself, accompanies that word. He's doing it right now. And when the Holy Spirit, you, you have no wasted, it's never a wasted minute in the Bible. Come on. Don't ever think you're, I got to get this out of the way. This is wasted time. Because every time you got your nose in that book and mind and heart in that book, what's happening? God, the Holy Spirit's doing something inside you, right? He's directing you. Something good and necessary is happening inside you and you're getting direction. But man, you've got to start somewhere. If you want God's direction, you have to start somewhere and you have to get into the Word. So make yourself that resolution. Here's another way God directs us, through people. I think of King David. And David took over the kingship. He took over the kingship of Israel from Saul. And Saul was not a good guy. He was kind of a bad guy. David was the good guy. But when Saul died, David took over the kingship. But Saul, though dead, still had his advocates and supporters. Now get the picture here. David and a few of his men, his advisors, his team, maybe his generals, are on horseback and they're kind of riding this direction on the road. Now up above there's a cliff and there's a pathway that runs along the cliff. There's a guy up there riding on a horse 
Now David and his men are down here, and this guy up there on a horse, his name is Shemei, S-H-E-M-E-I. And Shemei's up there while they're riding along, and he's hurling all these insults at David. He's saying, David, you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you're such a rotten guy, you're such a bad guy. It's kind of getting to hang out, so David's men say, David, you want us to take him out? <laughs> we'll take him out, we'll shut him up like that. What do you want us to do? And here's what David says. He said, no, don't shut him up. This may very well be from God, and I need to listen. Now, that's how God directs us through the Shemites in our life. You know, I think about Naaman, this great Syrian general. He contracts leprosy, and nobody knew how to get rid of that leprosy, but he had a little, he had a little, he had a little slave girl, Jewish slave girl in his employee. She knew, how to get rid of that, she knew how to get rid of that leprosy. You know what she says? She said what he didn't want to hear. Sometimes people say what you don't want to hear. She said, there is a prophet in Israel, and if you are willing to make that long journey and go to Israel, and, and he didn't know, she didn't know, he'd have to dip himself seven times in the dirty Jordan River. But if you're willing to go to the prophet Elijah, you will be healed. And so he makes that trek. And he dips himself seven times in the River Jordan, and he comes out healed. And he praises and glorifies God. But let me ask you, was that little girl just coincidence? And was she there by chance? Did she just happen to wander into his life? She was there by divine appointment. Shemei hurling all those insults and verbiage down to David. Folks, that was a divine appointment. God sends people in our lives to direct us and also to encourage us. So I need to ask you, do you listen to people? Now, I've learned this because when people criticize you and me, you don't like it but we need to learn to listen to them. Because I've learned this, that if, if one person says this about me, if one person says this about me, I'll bet you there's 10 other people who feel the same way. And what do we want to do? See, we don't want to hear that stuff. We want to dismiss it, right? And we want, you know what we say? You know what we say? We say, well, they don't have the whole picture. See, that's what we say. They don't have the whole, they don't know all the details. If they knew all the details, they wouldn't be saying this. Or what else do we say? There's bad chemistry between us, right? <laughs> they never liked me in the first place, right? Or they're always wrong, man, I'm always right. Stuff like that. And you dismiss them. Folks, that is a divine appointment. And I promise you, if one other person feels that way, there are other people who feel the same way. And as much as you don't like it, as much as you want to say, they don't have the whole picture, you got to do some thinking, you got to do some changing. Those are divine appointments. Yeah, and I consider this too, man. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe somebody's going the right direction, the direction they need to go. And they're getting all, they're, they're getting all this flack from people. They're doing God's will, and they're going the right way, and they're getting a lot of flack. And you know they're going the right way. You need to affirm those people. You need to say, hey, man, you're doing the right thing. Keep doing what you're doing. There's a lot of obstacles, but God's bigger than all these obstacles. See, that's how God directs us. Through people. He also directs us. We also hear his voice through circumstances. You know, we say it like this, he opens and closes doors. Isn't that neat? He opens and closes doors. And he really does that too. You know, you know we, we, we say this as a cliche. God acts in mysterious ways. You know how true that is? Things happen in my life and I don't like them. But God is acting in a mysterious way that I don't even know about. Let me tell you what I mean. I'm going to go to, I'm going to, go to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to look at the great apostle Paul. He was a great apostle to the Gentiles, and Paul had a great ministry, man. And people were turning, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, 
People were turning from the worship of pagan idols to Christ. I mean, Paul, I mean, because of Paul's ministry, I mean, Paul is hot. I mean, right at this point in his ministry, Paul is smoking, man. He was at the pinnacle of his ministry. And then, now it's going so well for Paul. What happened, huh? Book of Philippians, chapter 1. Paul goes to prison, that's in Acts 16, on a technicality for disturbing the peace. He drove the demon out of a little girl. Anyway, he's in prison now, okay? People in, in the Philippian church are asking, why would God allow this? Man, it was going so good. Look at all the people turning from idols to Christ. It was going so good. Why now, God? See, haven't you ever said that? I mean, why at this time in my life, Lord, it was going so good? Why did I get sick now? Why did this happen now? I want to tell you, Paul knew why it happened. He saw God working in mysterious ways, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, talking to the Philippian church, that what just happened to me has really, look at this now, look at this, has really served to advance the gospel. So Paul saw God working in mysterious ways, but the people didn't, see? What's happening to me here in prison is really serving to advance the gospel. Isn't that neat? As a result... It's become clear. Now get this, throughout the whole palace guard, where is Paul? He's in prison. Who's hearing Paul preach and teach? He's chained to a guard 24-7. And they allow him to preach and teach because he's so full of passion for the Lord Jesus, man. And so what happened to these guards? You know, they go back to their barracks in the palace and all these other guards are saying, what did Paul say today? What did Paul say? Tell me more. Come on, give, give me every detail. They're hungry to hear what Paul said. And the gospel is spreading throughout those barracks and the whole palace guard. See, God works in mysterious ways. He wanted, he wanted to get that truth to his people. How does he do it? Now, Paul's smoking out there in the streets preaching the word of God, but he shuts them down, puts them in prison. Doesn't God work in mysterious ways? Here's something else, too. Look at this. It goes on to say, um, because of my chains or being in prison, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more, more courageously and more fearlessly. That's a, see, Paul was doing most of the work of the ministry himself. And now he was in prison. I mean, you get sick, and you're the only one who does this. Does stop doing those. Somebody's got to learn how to do what you do real quick, right? And so what was God doing? God took them off the streets, put them in prison to minister to the palace guard, and now God raises up other leaders by necessity, and there's more leaders out there in that church. All because Paul went to prison. See, that's how God directs you. See, isn't that neat? I just, I just think, the Bible, man, if you don't study this book, man, you're losing something. You're missing something. See how God works, and it's so neat. He directs us through these circumstances. He's always directing you. Another way to get God's direction is you've got to fast. You know, that's the book of Esther. A lot of people think Esther was this saint. She was no saint, but she had a good moment in her life. She was a seductress to begin with. Anyway, the Jews were faced with annihilation. They lived in the land of Persia, and they were faced with, with annihilation because of this one guy, Haman. And Esther was the queen, and she was Jewish, and she had to approach the king, a guy named Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, to expose this terrible, terrible plot to annihilate the Jews. Now, you could only approach the king at certain times, and if you approached him when he was unapproachable, you die, even if you're the queen, see? 
And so she had no idea. I mean, she's the, she had to approach the king and expose this plot for what it was. And um, she had no idea which way this was going. And she asked all the people, and this is where Esther kind of does a turnabout in her life. And in Esther chapter 4, verse 16, then Esther sent this reply to her uncle Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa, S-U-S-A, capital city of Persia, and fast. She says, fast, fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. And I and my maids will fast just as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so she fasted. See, when I don't know what to do, either with a person or some decision in the church or about any direction in my life, I'll fast. And I'm not going to tell anybody I fast, but I want God's direction. I'm fasting because I want God's direction. And I won't tell anybody I'm fasting because Matthew chapter 6 is when you fast, keep it to yourself. It's enough that your Father in heaven knows. So don't tell anybody if you're going to fast. And I'll fast a meal, sometimes more than a meal, but normally a meal, and normally lunch. And I have to ask God to get me through this because my stomach makes real embarrassing noise. It really does. And I want to eat. I want to, I want to grab something, boy. And you deal with that. You ask God to take you through that. If you're going to fast, you, you say, God, I'm going to fast. And here's the reason I'm fasting. I want your direction, see? And, and, and you deal with it, and you get through it, and you're understanding that you're sacrificing something because you're serious about this. You are serious about this. Fasting says to God, I'm serious about this, and I'm willing, I, I, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to give this up to show God you're serious, and I want your direction. And I can say this personally, whenever I fasted and moved a direction, it has always been the right one. It has always, 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 always been the right one. How does God speak to us? Here's another way. God speaks to us through these inner leadings. You know, you got to be real careful here. People say, I got this gut feeling, and I'm going to go because I got this gut feeling. This is where you got to be real honest with yourself, folks. And I say this in love, but if you're not into daily Bible study, if all you do is come to church on Sunday, that's it. No other Bible study. You're not studying throughout the week. You're not coming to any group Bible study, nothing like that. And you say, oh, I got a gut feeling. That's probably all it is, is your gut. It's probably not from God. Because remember the principle. The more you study that word of God, the more you get to know God himself, and the more you think like God. So don't say, oh, God's leading me. I got to tell you, this is so important, man. You got to know this. People will say, oh, God spoke to me, and God led me into this. I got one question. How did God speak to you? Hear voice from heaven? God doesn't normally speak. I'm not going to say he doesn't do it. It doesn't normally work that way. How did God speak to you? You say, well, I feel it in my gut. Well, yeah, if you're not into the word of God, that's exactly what it is. It's your gut. And I say this, I only say this because people will, people will use this as an excuse to justify any sin. Oh, God led me, you know. I've seen pastors leave churches who needed to stay. It's a lie. God didn't lead you. I've seen husbands leave their wives for another woman and vice versa. And you know what they say? They say, God led me. I see people move in with their girlfriends and boyfriends. Oh, this is God's choice. He's a believer. Nonsense. Never forget this when you get these leadings. God will never, ever act contrary to his word. Never, ever, ever will God ever act contrary to his word. 
And never, ever, ever use, I got this gut feeling as an excuse for your sin. That, that, that doesn't work. Okay, a couple more points here. When, when God leads, it's up to us to follow. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, when you do these, you're pretty well certain you're going the right direction. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. See, when you don't know which direction to go, ask this question. I try and abide by this. Ask, okay, what benefits the other person or the other people involved? It may not benefit me, but lowliness of mind dictates that I do what's best for the other person. Maybe you're in that situation now, right now. What choice do you make? Which way do you go? Folks, you, 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 you quit sitting on your hands, and you make a choice, and you go that direction, and you obey God. That's all you do. I mean, don't sit on your hands forever and do nothing. That's, that, that's out of hell. I mean, the devil wants you to sit on your hands and do nothing. You're sitting on your hands, you're saying, oh, God, what direction do I go? You pick a direction and you go, and within that framework, I mean, you, 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 you obey God. I mean, there's certain rules, but I mean, generally speaking, okay, God doesn't limit us to one, one right way, but he also doesn't want us, because he doesn't want us sitting on our hands. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School. 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.